Let's have everything. As 2017 comes to a close, the Blues are on a runaway train that shows no signs of stopping and even fewer signs of scoring goals. We'll talk about their woes as we discuss the last three games. Then we'll go in-depth on the Doug Armstrong contract extension and talk about what the year 2017 meant for the Blue Note. We've got all that and more to cover, so let's get started and let's go Blues. back everybody this is the two guys no cup podcast i am one of the guys my name is steven ground he's the other guy his name is ian peters you pointed at me i did That's which me. you all can see i'm sure we've got a live feed uh we do yes youtube live feeds with buku advertising bucks coming any day now mm-hmm. we'll take uh, donations <laughs> we will we will we're very needy uh we have a ton of things to get to today um a lot of Blues news, a pretty significant move for the future of the franchise and the extension of Doug Armstrong, uh, and a lot of other things to talk about as we wrap up the year 2017. Uh, but we thought instead of launching right into that stuff as we usually do, we'd switch the order around a little bit uh, and talk about the three games that we have to cover uh, which would be the games in Edmonton and Vancouver and the games where we hosted the Predators. Uh, and that way we can sort of, I don't want to say get it out of the way, but that's kind of true, right? We're kind of getting it out of the way because uh, they were not great games. Even the win was not like a good hockey game. Um, and we can move on to the news and give that like an extended discussion at the end. And we'll talk about uh, a few other hockey news items specifically, uh, including the World Juniors uh, that are going on currently in Buffalo. So we will do all of that, but let's start first with the Edmonton Oilers matchup. Uh, As those of you who listened last week know, we recorded uh, our last podcast during the first two periods of this game. Thankfully, the Blues didn't do anything uh, in those two periods, nor did the Oilers. But unthankfully, when they started doing things, it was painful to watch. Uh. So uh, the first thing that happened in the game that was very cool was the Tage Thompson goal in the third period that was his first of his career. Uh, This was a play where Stastny got it and sort of backhanded it across the ice to Pareko. And Pareko uh, passed to Thompson, who was sort of crashing into the slot. And Thompson unleashed a... Really nice shot uh, through a little bit of traffic that either five hold or went over the right leg of, uh, I guess, Talbot. Mm-hmm. I think it was Talbot in that for the Oilers. Uh, Thompson thought said to uh, J- Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, I thought Pareko was going to shoot it, so I just started climbing on the middle pocket, climbing to that middle pocket, and he made a great pass to me, and I just tried to get it on net. It felt good to get that first one out of the way, and you could see he was elated. Mm -hmm. Uh, It ended a drought of 215 minutes and 23 seconds of no five-on-five goals for the Blues, which is what you want. (laughs) Um, And it was his first career goal, as we said, so 
There were very high emotions, a lot of elation from the team. You could see the grin from ear to ear on Thompson's face. But uh, it did not last long at all, as just 38 seconds later, Michael Camilleri scored his fifth goal of the season. The Blues just collapsed defensively in the Mm -hmm. last 10 minutes of this game, particularly after they scored goals. Um, Camilleri got a puck that had sort of bounced around the net. Upshaw initially had it in the slot and just unforgivably lost it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they got a couple of shots there, and I don't know how they didn't score, but then Apparently, we repossessed it because the goal was technically unassisted, but Camilleri got it again somehow and shot a weird angle. Uh, But there were two bodies basically collapsing on Allen, and so it was a goal pretty easily. Um, I just think there was a lot of talk on Twitter at the time, and rightfully so, about, okay, can we please... Like use the momentum of Thompson's first goal to propel us to some defensive success and maybe sneak out of Edmonton with a win off the back of that goal, and that was clearly not in the stars. Uh, and you, I mean, you understand that when your emotions get high like that, the team has to be very careful to not allow goals to be scored against them. Mm-hmm. But you would like to see them do a better job than they did here, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you have added thoughts to that, but it was pretty embarrassing to see. We probably don't have this happen to us a lot, but I just notice it more. But it seems like whenever we do score a goal, a goal, a much-needed goal, we seem to have the other team all over us almost instantly. Yeah. Even at home, which is kind of annoying with the crowd kind of getting pumped and stuff, you'd think maybe mm-hmm. we'd be more on top of it, but maybe the crowd just takes us out of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was not great. Uh, Obviously, this game was in Edmonton, so a lot of opposition to us. That's a tough building to play in in their brand-new stadium, but not a good excuse for them. Uh, Patrick Bergwin did. He's been playing really well lately. He did score a second goal for the Blues, 13-22 into the period. Uh, This was pretty straightforward. Shin just skated in along the boards, and Bergwin rifled home a one-timer from the slot. It was a nice goal, but unfortunately it didn't amount to much. uh, As three minutes later, Connor McDavid scored. Uh, this was a situation where Lucic passed the puck, uh, and I know we've talked about this once before this season, where it went from one corner of the neutral zone all the way to the other corner of the neutral mm-hmm. zone. Without touching the Diagonally, without ever being intercepted. And this one wasn't quite as bad as the the other time. I know we talked about it. I don't mm-hmm. remember what game that was because we didn't have, like, three bodies in the neutral zone. Uh, but it certainly is never something your team should allow um, and other than that, you could honestly just say this was being outplayed by McDavid and Dreisaitl, which isn't hard to swallow in and of itself if the context of the period hadn't been what it was. Uh, they just passed really nicely back and forth, and McDavid got a pretty much empty net. Uh, I would typically write, and I basically do write that goal off as those two guys being two of the three or four most talented players on the ice. Mm-hmm other than that we were collapsing entirely the whole period. So, uh, But the real goal here, the backbreaker, uh, literally, literally and figuratively, uh, and um, quite physically for Jake <laughs> Allen, uh, which we'll talk about in the middle in a minute, was the Drake Kajula goal uh, with 50 seconds left in the period, assisted by, basically by Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 
I guess Pat Maroon touched yeah. it before that, but it was basically Nuge. Uh, this was a, I mean, this is a really embarrassing. If you want all the all the struggles of the Blues summed up in one video, just go watch the highlight of this goal. Uh, Nuge RNH basically gets the puck behind the net. Uh, and he's just sitting there in the trapezoid, just mm-hmm. completely unguarded. And literally all five players on the ice uh, who were, I wrote it down because I was so ticked about it, Dunn, Shin, and Petro, and then I think Tarasenko and Bergwin were the other for- forwards. I wrote mm-hmm. those three defensemen down, uh, are just navel-gazing, basically, at R and H behind the net, and then you see Dunn. They're literally all facing him. Mm-hmm. Nobody watching the man they're supposed to cover. You see Dunn like a sloth, almost <laughs> like the sloth in uh, that one, not Pixar movie, but you know what I'm talking yeah. about with the bunny Zootopia. police. Zootopia. Thank you. Very just like reach out to try and make a play, like he's <laughs> reaching through molasses, and. Uh, Meanwhile, Drake Kajula is skating in mm-hmm. from behind the five players who are looking <laughs> the other direction, and he gets to the slot basically unnoticed, and they just hit a tic-tac one-timer that goes in over Allen. Uh, after the goal, you see Allen literally collapse uh, into his own lap in the field position and just, I don't know if it was shame or disgust or anger Mm. any of the i mean shame on his own part isn't justified but any of the other uh, emotions i would say were justified you don't see that that often from a goalie i've seen Mm -hmm. crawford and a few guys sort of get up and hang their head like almost turned around towards the crowd yeah but this was a quick like he threw his head down in his palms like real fast like oh my goodness what is even going on and i don't think i've ever seen a goalie react that i don't know that fast, yeah. That sad and that yeah. fast. And I don't think I don't think it was, and it certainly shouldn't have been like no, no, no. Directed at himself, no. You know, in the sort of Yara Halak looking over his shoulder in panic sort of move. If anything, I'm Jake Allen, and I'm screaming as Drake Kajula is skating between five guys, like this is somebody's man. Yeah. And one of those defensemen has to be draped on Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's behind the net. He's somebody's yes. guy. We've talked. We talked about last week. One of the goals that we scored where we had both of our defensemen playing a guy behind the net. Yeah, that's this true. time we have none of our defensemen playing the guys behind the net. There is some middle ground there. Mm. Um, I see, I mean, I always see there was some great tweet this week where some guy tweeted, uh, I don't know how this Twitter thing works, but it's Jake Allen's fault. Am I doing it right? Or something like that. And Lou Korak retweeted it and said, yep, that's it. Uh, (laughs) As a joke. But like, just the people who are blaming Allen for everything just have to stop. I mean, they have to stop. Mm -hmm. He is the least of our concerns right now. And I would just beg the Allen blamers to please watch this goal develop and tell me that it's his, like how it's his fault, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, this was the last, or yeah, the last of four straight losses and decisions for Allen. And, uh, he had 12 goals across those games. So a goals against of three, roughly, I mean, depending Mm -hmm. on if he was pulled at all, but three basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a save percentage of 902, which neither of those stats is world beating, but you can't just look at the numbers and Mm -hmm. be like, oh, so he's not playing very well. You watch this goal, uh, you watch the McDavid goal. I mean, there's nothing he can do on any of the goals in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe get a body on the Camilleri shot, but it's certainly Upshaw's fault that the shot ever happened. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just not not time to blame him. Um, Mike Yo said, it's too bad we played, I would say, probably 56 good minutes of hockey. Uh, I can't verify that because we only saw 20 of them. <laughs> I don't think that they played 16 good minutes of hockey in <laughs> the third period, but yeah. uh, he's a better expert than I am. Uh, Paul Stastny said, we played the way we want to play, and I think that once we scored, then we totally played on our heels. It just kind of became a free-for-all game both ways. It seems like whether we're up one nothing or we're down one nothing, all of a sudden we completely change our game. I do think that's actually a really insightful quote mm-hmm. from a player. Uh, one of the things that frustrates me, though, is anytime I see a quote like that, I'm like, okay, so fix it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, you've Scared got it. Go do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Yo said again, I think that there were some things to build off of in this game, uh, but obviously there's some things that we have to fix. That was a game that there was that was there for us, and we didn't take advantage of it. So definitely a win they could have and should have had. Um, Edmonton is a talented team, but not a very good team this year. And you would have liked to see us get at least one point when we were up two different times in the third period. Um Bergwin did look really good uh, taking Schwartz's spot on the Shen and Tarasenko line, and he does that again in the Canucks game um, and scores in both games. So that's maybe something they want to look at more, although, as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, it looks like Barbashev's going to start on that line possibly mm, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but he did look pretty good, and... Uh, Edmonton hit five posts in this game, so it could have been a lot worse. Uh, This was Alex Steen's 600th game, uh, which is just the 12th player in franchise history to reach that. I looked up these numbers just for fun. Uh, The other 11 are Bernie Federko with 927 leads the team and Barrett Jackman with 803. Then there's Brian Sutter, Brett Hall, David Backus all in the 700s. And uh, Gary Unger, Patrick Bergwind actually is eighth, which mm. is like weird to think about. Uh, Bob Plager and Barkway Plager have 615 and 614 respectively, which is kind of cool. Al McKinnis has 613, which is odd that we have three <laughs> separated by one. And then Larry uh, Patey, is it Patey? I think so. Uh, has 603, and obviously Steen is about to pass him, having played the next two games as well. And then one more f- kind of fun trivia note. We'll try to make today a little more lighthearted than last week, Yippee. even though <laughs> there's not a lot of reason to be. But uh, there was a cool stat that um, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic pointed out. Uh, when Tage Thompson, Paul Stastny, and uh, Alex Steen are all on the, a line together. It's a line of three players who all had fathers play in the NHL. Uh, Brent Thompson, Tage's father, was picked in the second round by the Kings in 89 and spent part, parts of six seasons, I think, with the Kings and mm-hmm. Coyotes and some other team. And then, of course, Peter Stasny is a Hall of Famer who played most of his career for the Nordiques, but also for the Devils and Blues. Um and then Thomas Steen, of course, played 14 seasons all for the Winnipeg Jets. So it's kind of cool that they all have that NHL pedigree. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, it sounds like Thomas Steen and Peter Stastny have a little more pedigree than Brent Thompson, but that's just kind of a cool <laughs> fact. 
the Blues outshot the Oilers by one, uh, 36 to 35. Faceoffs were 50 50. Nobody scored on a power play. We got three penalty kills. We'll talk about in a minute how good our penalty kill has been lately. Uh, it's really sensational, which is kind of a good thing and then kind of a bad thing mm-hmm. that we still sucked. Uh, hits were 31 to 25 for the Blues, and the Blues outblocked the Oilers and had less giveaways. But despite all that, we still lost, Um, which was the opposite of the case, I guess, in (laughs) Vancouver, unless you had anything else to say about that. No, the Edmonton game was just a game that in the end of everything felt somehow like a worse loss than all the other losses before. One of the worst ones for sure, just because we've had you were in it. And the Thompson goal especially felt like maybe this is like a momentum changer. Mm-hmm. And then it immediately was not. <laughs> yeah, that really got that great gif that we'll have to find. Or maybe it's not even a gif, but someone has to have of him just chomping on his uh, oh, yeah, on yeah, his yeah. mouth guard, staring at the opposing or staring at Allen's goal and just kind of blank sort of deer in the headlights, <laughs> Jay Bo Meester look of like, that's fine. Yep. You can pretty much put him in that little. Yeah. yeah, the little dog in the fire for sure. Uh, and that's what it was. We had to find that gift. I'm sure somebody made it because it was too great. It's got a, it'll be like top ten. It's yeah, fantastic. We'll find it. Uh, but the Blues moved from Edmonton to finish off this Canada trip. Uh, Al Canada, as you creatively titled the last <laughs> uh, podcast, to finish out the trip in British Columbia against the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who, like Edmonton, well, actually, kind of the inverse of Edmonton. They're not as talented a team, but they're performing better, or have mm-hmm. been lots of the season. Um but this game was just strange. I know you didn't catch a lot of it because you were traveling up to the Great Right North, which is <laughs> Minnesota, not Canada. Where it, it could be a couple of states. Balmy, right? You know, very, so, very warm. Highs of negative five. <laughs> oh, that's just the actual that's hockey high, weather. not the wind chill, right? Oh, no, yeah. Oh, no. Wind chill will be, I think one day it might have been at night, but the wind chill is like negative 32. Nice. Nice. They were like, That's you'll get frostbite you in 10 to to minutes. College. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'll never go back for longer than a week <laughs> in the winter. Never. Uh, but in any case, uh, we traveled. I don't know how we got. Oh, you were going there. Not the not the Blues. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, the Blues were going to vent, uh, British Columbia, which I'm sure is cold-ish, but not as cold because pr- it's coastal. Yeah. Uh, in any case, they were playing Vancouver, uh, and they got off to a pretty good start with a goal 11 minutes in by Patrick Berglund. Uh, it's just all of the goals in this game were strange. Uh, he had the puck against the boards and basically took a big arc into the slot, like mm. out towards the blue line and then back into the slot and took like a blind backhand shot into traffic from the slot and it somehow found the back of the net over Markstrom. I don't know if Markstrom ever saw it. There's no excuse for this puck to get into the net for any reason, but it did, and it was a lucky break for the Blues. Uh, but as is their uh, want lately, they forfeited their lucky break uh, by giving the other team one uh, when Pareko gave a puck right to uh, Sam Gagne of the uh, Canucks early in the second period, which Gagne uh, collected in the slot, and they just had sort of three passes all very tight on Allen's right side 
uh, and Brock Besser scored his 20th goal of the season. Wow. The brilliantly talented rookie. 20 goals that I rookie. begged you to draft in fantasy. Oh, I honestly had forgotten. And <laughs> thanks for bringing it back. Uh, in any case, uh, I just want, <laughs> you know, we have to establish to the audience that we're credible, you know. That and who's we, the better, the uh, better uh, fantasy person? Yes, exactly. I'm ninth um, currently in our 10-man league. third. Second, third, somewhere in there. I'm, I'm better than doing ninth. well. Better than ninth, but you're not 10. Uh, <laughs> you were, in your first season last year, were amazing. So we Sophomore won't take slump. that away. There you yeah, go. that's all it is. There that's all go. it is. McDavid's having one, although he's not in his sophomore year. Uh, other people had him. You know, Line is having one, and so are you. That's all it <laughs> is. Um, Oh boy, uh, we're we're not we're not far enough into this to be this far off yeah. the rails. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Brodziak, he's a player for the St. Louis Blues, and he scored his sixth goal of the season. Uh, utterly more ridiculous than even the Bergwin goal. Uh, he collected a puck from. Uh, Scotty Upshaw, who apparently believed that we were playing pinball and not hockey, uh, he, <laughs> instead of the dumping bu- the puck behind the net maneuver, he shot the puck off the opposite boards that sort of um, ricocheted in a V to Bergwind close to the to the line, the goal line, and he took an extreme angle shot. That I still don't know how it got in. Mm. Markstrom, I mean, just utter failure. So it was Brodziak just off to the. It was like yeah, the no, line. yeah, it was terrible. Okay. So, f- folks who blame Allen, you want to see a goal, you can blame the goalie for. Go check this <laughs> one out. Uh, no excuse for this to get in. Pang, Darren Pang, very, very audibly squealed. He scores, <laughs> and that was kind of pretty much summed up how weird this goal was. It was unexpected and undeserved, but we'll take anything mm. we can get. As someone reminded me on Twitter, rightfully so. Uh, I was uh, this this the day of this game. I felt like garbage all day, so I fell asleep through a big chunk of the <laughs> second period and actually missed that goal. Uh, which I, I'm not a person who falls asleep very often, so I felt really bad. But it was a good goal on uh, review, uh, at least in terms of it counting on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game played out pretty strangely for the rest of uh, the the period and the most of the third period. Um, nothing, neither team looked especially bad. Neither team looked especially good. It was just kind of odd the whole way through. And then we got an empty net goal for Alex Steen after Tarasenko worked really hard and gave it up to Steen kind of unselfishly. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. uh, Jeremy Rutherford summed this up well in one of his articles. He said, Tarasenko made a heck of a play and a goodwill gesture as well late in the game. He won a board battle for the puck and passed up a possible empty net goal, opting to feed Steen, who had a better look. Steen converted with 53 seconds remaining in regulation for his fourth goal of the season, breaking up an 18-game goalless drought. And I do think that was a really nice play from Vova's perspective in terms of just being the leader that we know he can be and um, just in general Mm -hmm. making the the right play and the unselfish play. And we'll talk a little bit later about Tarasenko's struggles because a lot of people are tilting on him lately and... We'll talk about it. We, we think it's undeserved. Uh, well, or at least 
We'll talk about it. We'll talk <laughs> about it more. Uh, but, yeah, Mike Yo said we needed to win tonight. We didn't want to get into the break three days off, losing something like six of the last seven games. We struggled last, le- last weekend, but I think we made a good step Thursday in Edmonton. Tough way to lose, but to be able to win tonight and be able to head home, it's huge. If we would have lost, uh, this could have turned things completely different for us. And when I said Mike Yo, I meant that that was Jake Allen who said that. <laughs> um but Mike Yo backed up that sentiment by saying it was very important for us, for sure. We knew that we weren't far off, and we feel that we're back closer to our game now. I think the break is going to be really good for us. Um, he also just praised uh, Tarasenko's game, saying, I know he didn't score a goal, but certainly one of the best games that he's played in a little while here. Just his work ethic was very noticeable, doing little things like blocking shots. Um Yo, with just a lot of quotes this game, said, I don't doubt the character that we have. I know we've we're, we've got great character in this dressing room, and I know that we've got great leadership. Um, and finally, he talked about the Blues taking a lot of shots, and he said, shoot the puck. We said that. For whatever reason, when you're not scoring a lot of goals, it seems that it becomes more difficult. You'd think it would be the opposite. But I think that when we're on top of our game, we have a shoot-first mentality. We are a little closer to it, but I think we can still get better there. Uh, Allen's win here tied him with Grant Fuhrer for third in the on the Blues uh, in Blues history with 108, and uh, the Blues improved to 19 and 0 when leading after two periods. Uh, Yo also called this probably the best game Bergwind has played since he uh, came back, and he obviously scored that first goal. Uh, the Blues outshot the Canucks, won more faceoffs. Both teams were 0 for 2 on the power play, uh, but the Canucks outhit. Uh, the Blues, the real story of the game was the 11 Canucks giveaways to the Blues, too. Uh, if you can keep that sort of a giveaway differential, you're going to win a lot more games, even if you're not scoring a <laughs> lot of goals. So uh, a good win for the Blues, because anything right now has to count yeah, as a good win. a needed win, for sure. But not at all a statement win, as they proved when they returned from the Christmas break against uh, Nashville, which you're going to lead us through, so why don't you... Mm do that now i was really excited for this game because it'd be the first one i got to watch in a long time so obviously not a great (laughs) game because that seems to how things go when i watch these um i thought the blues looked really good in the first period they're buzzing a lot they seem to be throwing an awful lot at rene i think they're trying to get an early one i think um fox sportsman fox sports midwest tossed up a graphic that showed that both the blues and the predators have a really good winning record when they uh, score the first goal. So uh, maybe the Blues also knew this, and we're just trying to beat them in that first goal. So they did look good for that little percentage of the game. But I think I even tweeted out, I said, man, the Blues are really buzzing. It'd be good to get an early one here. And then right after I hit send on that tweet, the uh, Predators scored immediately. Yep. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> Craig Smith scored in the second period and a nice deflection off of a Roman Yossi shot. Or this is the first period, mind you, uh, to make it 1-0 Nashville. Uh, this was a goal that I think Pareko, he's a defenseman. His man was Yossi. I get that tends to not be the number you're guarding, the other defenseman. But on this rush, that is his guy. Mm-hmm. And he gives him an awful lot of space. at about a seven-foot gap, and he tries to block a shot from there. You're not really cutting off the angle from that distance at all. you got to close that gap for sure. Yeah. That's also another thing where it seemed like a goal that I'm sure, or at least a shot that Allen thought he had, but after Yossi fired it, 
it deflected off Craig Smith's stick, who I thought did a really good job. I can't remember who the blue was that was boxing him out, but he kind of managed to get himself on the inside again, toss the stick out there, and get it to bounce down on Allen. Um, I'd like to see the Blues score a few more goals like this. A few more goals, period, but I think deflections could really help. Uh, that moved us into the second period. The Blues started to look like they were struggling. They took a few penalties. Um, I know that Scotty Upshaw had one or two in this period, and that's a guy that I like a lot, and he plays with a lot of fire, kind of a little cannonball out there. But mm-hmm. recently he's been taking a lot of penalties, yeah. and it's something that as a guy who plays on the penalty kill <laughs> too, you really don't want to see. Yeah, You want to see him be able to play with that fire, but be able to kind of, I don't know, contain a little better, use a little better. But in the second period, uh, Cal, did we decide it's Cal? Yeah, Cal, Cal or Cal. Cali. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll say Cali Yarncroft. I feel like I've heard Cali, but yeah, after it's you a said disgusting it. name regardless. <laughs> Yarncroft, man, that's just what you say after you like, you know, trying to clear your throat. But Cali Yarncroft slams home a one-timer from a Phyllis, Philip Forsberg to put the Preds up 2-0 in the second. This was kind of a slow-developing three-on-two play. I mean, the whole team was pretty much in the offensive zone. No one was really ahead of anyone else necessarily by yeah. a wide margin. But this is also a play that Bortuzzo looks kind of odd on it because he's defending between uh, Forsberg and Yarncroke and doesn't really know who to take, so he's trying to take the pass. But I can't really fault him too much on it because I believe Forsberg is Sunquist or Piarvi's assignment mm-hmm. in this case, and both of them try and defend the blue line, and neither of them do it well. When and those Swedes clash, <laughs> we know who's coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, one of those three is very good, and the other two are, the other we'll two say, are fine. Sunquist and Piarvi. <laughs> um, but yeah, they try to defend the blue line not very well, kind of fail, and then they don't really hustle to get back. This is also a goal that I guess I'd like to see Jake Allen save, but I mean it is a one timer. Yeah. It is just fast enough that yeah. sometimes it's they're going to get through. And I do uh, just to interject for a minute. Yeah. I do want to clarify about our like backlash against the Allen backlash. We're not sitting here saying Allen's never at fault for a goal or two, mm-hmm. but you cannot put like this streak on Allen's back. Mm. And a lot of, like, I really think a lot of people would say he's our biggest problem, and mm. I just don't understand. We, it. I'd have to look up the stat. This would have been a good thing to know ahead of time, but I don't think we've allowed a crazy amount of goals. There's a Jets game where we lost 4 nothing, mm-hmm. but some of these feel like for sure we should be able to score three goals in a game yeah. and beat the other team. Well, one stat that I have in the notes at the end here is that. Uh, I'm trying to look for it, but I think, yeah, it's in six of our 16 losses. So we've only lost 16. Six of those times, the Blues goalie has allowed just two goals or less, mm-hmm. I guess. But um, obviously not no goals because <laughs> you can't lose. Uh, but we have a 918 save percentage between the two goalies. And Carter Hutton has six straight starts with two goals or less of support. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not. We're not, like, allowing a ton of goals either. We're just not scoring enough. Mm-hmm. I think we can, yeah, they'll be shown a little bit later, too, in this Mike Yost stat we have. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was pretty much, I tweeted out that was pretty much game yeah, at that point. Yeah, you know at that point that it's over. Because my mentality at this point, especially for this team not scoring, like we've mentioned, is that if we're down 2-0, to win the game, we have to keep the Predators from scoring a goal. And we have to score three goals. Mm-hmm. And just hearing that out loud is like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I pretty much thought the Saboka goal at the end, while fun, while cool, felt meaningless to mm-hmm. me, even though we were within one goal of tying it. 
Um, this was Saboka's seventh goal. Um, it would look like a Kyle Brodziak goal as he skated out to the blue line and fired it from there. Uh-huh. I think Brodziak even thought it might have been his, but it looks like it hit uh, Saboka in the body and then kind of trickled past Rene. I'll take I'll take any kind of goal. Yeah, Brodziak is, as you said, the king of meaningless late game goals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's I think I tweeted it out too, or I at least texted you. Yeah. I was like, oh, it looks like Mr. Meaningless Goal. Got, got one for us. I love Kyle Brodziak. No, he's great. But it seems like... Goal scoring is not what his focus should be I'll, anyway. I'll say even on wins this year, from the ones I remember, he'll kind of score when we win, say, like 6-2. to two, mm-hmm. He'll score the fifth goal. Yeah. So it's like, that's cool, but doesn't I, really do I much for us. I guess we're saying all this without admitting that he scored the game winner and the goal just before this. But yeah, uh, I think overall our point still stays. Yeah. So that was pretty much that was pretty much game. We pulled Allen. We didn't allow... A, Empty nighter, so that's cool. That's something to hang your hat on. Uh, we also went five for five on the PK, which we kind of like to talk about a lot, or at mm-hmm. least Pang did a lot, because I mean, when you're not scoring goals, you got to find some sort of ray of sunshine, and it's our PK, which has looked pretty good. But we did go 0 for 2 on our own power play. Uh, I thought Tage Thompson looked really good, and I thought Ben Stunn had a really good game. In fact, that guy is definitely at this point in the year our most offensively gifted defenseman maybe not he's not scoring a bunch but he's i should say he's the most dangerous looking Mm. for sure he looks like him and thompson these last couple games have looked like players that are trying to make a play trying Mm -hmm. to do something make something happen every time they're in the offensive zone so that's good to see the future's bright hashtag future is bright (laughs) um but speaking of offensive zone this team still looks lost in it yeah uh, no second chances, no movement, everyone looking for someone else to make a play. I don't, despite saying all that, I really don't think this loss was a effort loss. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes we just don't have that skill up front or we're just kind of old. I like Paul Stasny, I like Alexander Steen. They just aren't, they're not producing enough as a se- as secondary scorers. I mean, no one's producing enough, but you'd like to see them start doing something, start clicking. They seem to be looking better with Tage Thompson. I do want to see Yo keep that line together uh, as these games go on because I think you'll see Steen start to produce at least assists because it looked all last night like he was trying to feed Thompson. Mm-hmm. And he get the puck to Thompson. I think Thompson just being a little inexperienced didn't quite know if he had enough space to make a play or not. There's a few times he fired it really quick. So... He didn't really have a lot of time to decide where he was shooting, and it kind of went wide. And there was a few times where uh, he didn't have a lot of time, and he thought he did, and tried to skate past defensemen, and they were able to pick it off. But I think he's, he looks good out there. It looks like he's trying. He's kind of learning each shift. So despite this being a loss, I didn't think it was terrible, other than the no scoring, mm-hmm. other than the one goal. <laughs> that bit, which, yeah. you know, at this point, is really just beating a dead horse, which sounds sad to say. Like, mm-hmm. we can't criticize him for their one big thing. But it almost is just no scoring, no scoring, no scoring. Yeah. I'd like it to be a new thing. Yeah, I agree. I don't want Allen to fail, but it'd be kind of interesting be nice if we if scored a bunch of goals and he failed because yeah. we'd have something else to talk <laughs> that's, about. That's sort of true. Uh, I Just a comment. There's no real preset place to make it, so I, I yeah. just thought I'd make it here. I do think one of our general problems, or not even a problem necessarily, but just maybe the biggest shift we've seen is that the we talked about the defensive scoring so much early in the season mm-hmm. and we always said well it's gonna taper off a little bit but it's really dropped off significantly mm-hmm. um and this is not by any means to blame petrangelo 
specifically because obviously he is just, I mean, he's the best of our defensemen, mm-hmm. as we've always said, but he's uh, not the only defenseman who could score. But just to look at him as, as an example, because he's the easiest one to analyze, he had 13 points in the month of October, four goals and nine assists. In the month of December, which granted he missed a few games because of injury, but in the 10 games he played, he had uh, five points. Mm-hmm. So that's half, you know half a point per game versus uh, about, you know, about a point per game in October, not counting exactly how many games we played. But then even in November, he had only seven points. But in November, it was three goals and four assists, and this time it was just five assists and no goals. So you really see visibly that the Mm -hmm. defensive scoring isn't happening as much, and you can see... I mean, you can see in the stats that it's not happening, mm-hmm. but then you see visibly on the ice that they're not pinching as much. They're not nearly as aggressive as they were at the start of the year. And that's something I'd like to see them sort of, mm-hmm. you know, pump back into, if you will. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why that's happening. If there's just a strategy change mm-hmm. or if other teams have caught on to it. Yeah. Um, it's a thing where I think if you really, I don't know, look at those, look at the stats, look at games you can see where our scoring went schwartz got hurt but he's not the only problem like Mm -hmm. you said defensive scoring is down uh secondary guys like saboka and steen despite steen getting an empty netter and saboka getting a goal yesterday just aren't scoring yeah tarasenko is not scoring you can pick it apart and make it a little puzzle all you want and it's just it's not happening everywhere it it would be like you there's a tendency to blame Tarasenko, and I, I actually am sympathetic to the tendency. I mm-hmm. pick on the critical fans a lot uh, because it's, it's easy. easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I understand that sympathy totally because when you're struggling, you want to see your best player step mm-hmm. up and take the lead. I get that, but it's not like if Tarasenko was struggling in a vacuum, that would almost be a bigger problem. Like weirdly. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wouldn't be a big problem because we'd have other guys getting his back, but like I'd be more inclined to be like, yo, what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with Tarasenko? Mm-hmm. When the whole team is as bad as they are, making a lot of hand motions that nobody can see, <laughs> but when the whole team's as bad as they are, it's it's not an issue I'm as concerned about. Like, mm-hmm. let's write the whole ship before we worry about I would agree. Know, soup kitchen or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I clearly know nothing. It's a real about good metaphor. <laughs> I was about to say poop deck, but that who knows? You know. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Before we move on, did you want to cover any of these quotes? And I kind of wrote them all up gibberish, gibberishly. So maybe I should cover yeah, them. Yeah, so you can go for it. Uh, just that stat about Schwartz. Thirty games with him, the Blues have scored ninety nine goals, three point three a game. And our twenty were twenty eight and two, and without him, it's thirteen uh, goals, one point four four per game, and our three six and zero, uh, and two of the thirteen goals were empty netters, just to <laughs> rub a little extra salt in there. Uh, and I read that only to emphasize that Jaden Schwartz was not directly or indirectly responsible for 1.9 goals per game <laughs> and we can't you know and I see a lot of people saying well yeah I mean we're not we're not pinning this on Schwartz but we're really struggling without Schwartz and it's like yes but those are two separate issues mm-hmm. and we need to address them like if we'd gone from 3.3 to 2.8 Totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Really good player, you know. But like, like you said, if he, if he's hurt and it's just in a vacuum, then yeah. you get where those 
0.5 goals go. Yeah, exactly. You don't understand where 1.9... Like, when the Capitals lose Ovechkin, they don't Mm -hmm. lose 1.9 goals a game. That's what I mean. You can... If they can... If better teams can do more without better players, then we should be able to do more without Schwartz. And I'm not trying to pick on Schwartz because he was obviously having a career year, but, like, he wasn't our best... You know, if he was one of our, or maybe our best player this season, but like mm. coming into the season, like we weren't expecting him to be the guy anyway, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just frustrating. Um, I'll skip some of the quotes because you've heard them all before <laughs> in the <laughs> earlier games. Uh, look in mirror, work harder, et cetera. Let's uh, repeat. Joel Edmondson did say he thought we showed Nashville a little bit too much respect. I think there is some truth in that. We've talked about sweater watching before. Have, have they become the new Chicago for us in a way? I think so, yeah. I think they're the team we fear now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blues have gone now eight games without scoring more than two goals, excluding the empty netter against Vancouver. Uh, in six of our 16 losses, I already read that one. Uh, I do like Allen's quote about he and Carter's performance. He said, I think me and Hutz are playing great. Uh, we know we can't score goals. But I don't know if he means him or the team. <laughs> Either way, it's true. But we're not trying to get that into our heads. It's not that the boys aren't trying, but it's just one of those times of year where pucks aren't going in. I think every team goes through it. I don't know if every team goes quite through this, but I get his point. We've got to snap, snap out of it sooner or later. The one big uh, blue stat I wanted to mention, because it blew my mind earlier when I read it, uh, before we move on to some other things, uh, is that the penalty kill was five out of five against Nashville, mm-hmm. which put them forty-one of forty-two in the month of December. <laughs> they have allowed one power play goal this entire month when they've been terrible. Mm-hmm. They're number one in the league for December with ninety-five point three percent, and. That's just absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, another stat just to mention is that they are seven. Well, they're seven and eight in their last fifteen home games, which is unacceptable. But uh, their goal in the third period of this game gave them forty-seven on the season, which ties them for most in the league with Los Angeles, New York, and New York. So <laughs> there are a lot, like a lot of the indicators for this team are still really good. Mm-hmm. It's just weird, like how it's all come together to make us look bad. And you remember a couple, you know, maybe a month ago, probably about a month ago, because we've had good penalty kill all month. But we were talking about how bad our special teams look, mm-hmm. and that was the one big concern. And the penalty kill obviously is like totally one eighty. Mm-hmm. And the power play, I think, is weirdly better than it was it's probably not producing any better because the whole team's worse but like Mm -hmm. we're at least scoring some goals on our power play now yeah rather than like no goals in all five on five we get our all of our goals on the power play yeah it's weird how that reversed itself Um, but yeah it's weird how the the talking points on the team have sort of switched from penalty kill special teams you know Mm -hmm. are a concern to oh those things are going great but now we're floundering uh, so let's take a break from game recaps, which we did, as we always do, go longer than we <laughs> probably intended. Uh, but we are going to talk about a little league news before we close up uh, with the Armstrong contract and some Blues reflection, just to give us sort of a, a, a clean break instead of allowing us to just ramble between the games and whatever topics we wanted to cover Um thought this would be a little bit different approach. Uh, one topic I wanted to talk about was the Zach Ronaldo suspension, uh, mostly because I was watching part of this game with our friend Jordan, the Avalanche correspondent uh, at his house. Um, 
this, I mean, this was a really disgusting play. Zach Ronaldo left his feet to hit uh, Nathan McKinnon at middle ice, and I haven't even told you the part that he got suspended <laughs> for yet. Uh, he jumped up from that hit, and as Samuel Gerrard sort of skated towards him but was really skating past him, Samuel Gerrard, who is all of 19 and has played like 12 NHL games, uh, promising young defensemen that they got back in the Matt Duchesne mm-hmm. trade, um, uh, I almost said Carcillo, but Ronaldo, I <laughs> wonder why I had that comparison. Ronaldo <laughs> grabbed him and sucker punched him right in the teeth uh, <laughs> and <laughs> caught him completely off guard and completely blind. Uh, he was suspended for six games for this, rightfully so. Uh, it was his fifth suspension of his career in 306 games. And he had just an interesting factoid. When he was called up to the NHL from the AHL, he had more suspensions, four, than he had goals, three, in his AHL career. Uh, all of this is to say, I mean, I, we, Jordan and I ranted about it very angrily because it's obviously his team and he cares about it. But it's just like sometimes I think, oh, I wish fighting would come back. Like, I want mm-hmm. more grinders. I wish that part of the game was back. And then I see the, like, unicorn that is Zach Ronaldo still in the league, the Radko Gudasses. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. pick out particular guys necessarily, but the guys whose entire game is scumbag, basically. Yeah. And I'm just like, how and why are these people still <laughs> here? Like, what of all teams, it's weird how, like, Arizona, part of, on one side, you're like, well, they'll ice any 23 yeah, guys because they have to. But on the other side, I'm kind of thinking, like, they're so bad. Don't they have some other prospect they don't could they give NHL time? Yeah. Like, even if he, even if he's like Nikolai Craig Christensen, who we'll talk about in a minute, who you don't expect to, like, ever play in the NHL, just, like, give it a shot. Maybe he catches fire, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's weirdly it's weirdly both sides of the coin. Like, they're the only team that would ice Zach Ronaldo, and they're the last team that should. Um, but, man, I just I wanted to harp on that, mostly to say not really to pick on Ronaldo specifically, although he does seem like a skis, but mostly <laughs> to say when I sometimes think about the toughness in hockey going away, I occasionally see something like this and kind of am thankful for it. Uh, Paul Bissonette did make a point that I will begrudgingly acknowledge, which is <laughs> basically when you make a hit like that, now his point didn't say that he shouldn't have made the hit like that on McKinnon, which it should have said, but when you make a hit like that and the next thing you see is someone skating right at you, you're like assuming that he's coming to attack, you know, to attack you and retaliate. So maybe Ronaldo's reaction was more instinctual than heat seeking, so to speak. But I don't know. It's just not appropriate, I guess. Uh, another piece of news that I never want to celebrate an injury, but could be really good news for the Blues is that the uh, Winnipeg Jets have lost forward Mark Scheifele to a lower body injury for six to eight weeks. Uh, What will be really interesting to see will be to kind of track the Jets while Scheifele is out and see how it compares Mm. to the uh, Blues while Schwartz is out and see if they lose 1.9 goals a game. (laughs) Spoiler alert, they won't. (laughs) But Scheifele, I would say, coming into the season was a more important Mm-hmm, for sure. I would say arguably the centerpiece or one of the two with uh, Line A than Schwartz, you know, compared to Schwartz 
uh, with the Blues. So it'll be interesting to see how they struggle and if that takes a big chunk out of their team or if they're able to skate, so to speak, by while he's injured. And then I wanted to give you particularly a little space to cover the uh, IIHF World Junior uh, Hockey Tournament because you have been doing it so well on Twitter, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. So why don't you talk about that for a while? <laughs> uh, the World Junior Championships are, I really like them a lot. Um, I think the first time I ever heard about them was probably when we had drafted Tarasenko, because that's about a couple of years after I'd started getting the Blues really mm-hmm. hardcore, and also was one of our you know biggest prospects ever at the time. And I was up in Toronto visiting a friend, and I believe this championship, the tournament was in Buffalo at the time, mm-hmm. and I was walking around through their um, their subway, and they had two guys like working on fixing like an escalator there, and they were talking about how Russia, who uh, Tarasenko was on, I'm pretty sure he captained, just mm-hmm. beat Canada for the final, I want to say the final, or maybe semis, uh, like they beat them in overtime, or they came back from like a three-goal deficit, but they were talking about this in public like someone would talk about a Patriots game, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "This is amazing. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I lived here. People just talk hockey like it's just normal day to day conversation." Yeah. But anyways, so world—that's ju- why this podcast exists. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the World Junior <laughs> Championship is a really cool tournament. Mm-hmm. It's something that IAHF puts on, which is the International Ice Hockey Federation. Um. It's commonly known more simply as the World Juniors. It's annually it's an annual event, and it's for everyone for any nation that's in the top ten of the ice hockey or whatever international ice hockey, and for players that are twenty and under. Now there's a specific date they have to be born by. I don't know the date or whatever, but everyone's pretty much eighteen and nineteen. Mm-hmm. You tend to see more nineteen year olds just because one year older is one, one year, year better. Yeah, yeah, one year better than everyone else. I like how Belarus is one of the top 10 teams. Like, yeah. They're so much worse than all the other teams in this tournament. <laughs> so that's what I was going to say. The, the 10 Ice teams, hockey has a pretty pretty narrow spread yeah. on that shotgun. Well, rather. there's always countries I would think would be better or would even like hockey. Like, say, a country that borders Sweden, like Norway. You'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, they're into hockey. They are not, like, yeah. in the least. They're all yeah. about skiing, and that's it. So your top 10 teams, and no particular order, but... Probably in this order, maybe. I guess USA might be on top because they won last year. Mm-hmm. You've got Canada, USA, Finland, Sweden, Russia, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Denmark, Switzerland, and the aforementioned Belarus. <laughs> um, this is kind of like that first that first group in soccer, like mm-hmm. over in the British Premier League, where you just have teams that are the top five are just way better than say the next maybe 15 mm-hmm. or at least the bottom 10 for sure yeah so how this works out is they take these 10 teams they split them into two groups of five they play a little round robin where each of them plays the other four in their group and then the top four in each group so the top eight total move on into a playoff round where i believe it's just one and done elimination mm-hmm. and so the bottom two teams which i find pretty funny then play for relegation. <laughs> so one of them gets to stay in for the next year, and the other one gets bounced for a team that is probably like France mm-hmm. or something like that, who probably then gets bounced the next year. So you get a lot of the same teams, obviously, which tends to be how it is in you hockey. You think France took it all the way to the championship game when Antoine Roussel was a... 
no. a wee lad. I'm sure. I'm sure he was their captain though, and I'm sure he was like the best player <laughs> by far. That's the thing is some of these players, some of these teams, like a Denmark, could have like a team's like prospect, a team's like maybe sixth round prospect, and he is Denmark's best in player. Fact, that is true. For, I <laughs> yeah. mean, somewhat true for one of our prospects in Denmark. Yeah. So we've gotten most of these teams have played two games already. I think USA and whoever they're playing tonight are in the midst of one or their second game. Uh, the Blues have four players that are in this tournament right now. Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas are on Canada, Clem Costin for Russia, and then a guy we discovered, <laughs> Nikolai Craig Christensen for Denmark, who I didn't know anything about. You could have told me he was a goalie, and I would have nodded in my head like, cool. <laughs> um, but apparently he's, he's a forward. I don't even know if he's a winger or center. He plays in front of the defenseman. So there's been some pretty good games, actually, uh, Canada, I believe, has won both of theirs uh, pretty decisively. Robert Thomas says those two games played with one assist, and he's a plus two. Uh, Jordan Cairo has one goal and three assists for four points and is a plus one. I think at least two of those points, and for sure the goal are on the power play. That goal from yesterday is super cool. I retweeted what the Blues oh, and yeah, tweeted yeah. out the gif. He pretty much walks around a guy real and tight. Like he's pretty much hugging the guy because he's reaching a stick around mm-hmm. him and scores on the power play. It's a really nice goal. Um, Clem Costin, I didn't see any of the points today he had, but he had a, a goal and two assists in just today's game alone for three points, was a plus three, and had eight shots on goal. Who were they far. playing today? Do you know? Ooh, I can't remember. I'll look it up if the website will okay. allow me. Oh, yeah, let's, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, then Nikolai Craig Christensen, he has two games played and one goal. For one point, he's a plus minus zero, so probably doing a okay over there. I don't think Denmark as a whole is doing well. I believe they've just gotten flattened by most by the two teams they played. I'm all about this NKK now, though, baby. <laughs> and I have that dude be the champion of this team. <laughs> It'd be cool if he made the it. Next just Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> I just want him because his last name starts with Craig. Yep. The World Juniors website, which you, which you should go to and uh, check out stats and uh-huh. all those fun things, is a mess. Probably because it's foreign. That is why websites are bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Russia beat uh, Switzerland 5-2 to two today. Another team that could be relegated. Yes, it's anyone's very game. Much so. <laughs> it's anyone's game for relegation between mm-hmm. those two or three teams. Exactly. It's a it's a fun tournament. I think a lot of the games are shown on the NHL Network, which mm-hmm. I know you have. I I don't. I wish I did. Just lavished in riches. <laughs> you can get lots of streams. I on. occasionally get to see Kevin Weeks. You oh, all yeah. don't, so I win. <laughs> He's a national treasure. Kevin for... Weeks and Alex Tangay and Robert Flores of erstwhile ESPN fame for some reason. That network has fallen far when it's yeah. <laughs> losing anchors to NHL <laughs> Network. Geesh. Yeah, NHL Network. <laughs> That'd be like, like a yeah. CNN anchor working for Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NHL Network. Is behind. Although Dave Murray was the Al Roker once. Oh, time, I know. People so. always tell me Dave Murray was on Good Morning America. Yeah, today, whichever. And I don't yeah. believe him. <laughs> I never do. When he throws to Mandy Murphy and she just looks lost as all hell. <laughs> Neat, Dave. <laughs> It's, so, this is yeah. on top. <laughs> What's also neat is this tournament. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's really cool to see other teams' prospects yeah. play. 
I always kind of like to look and be like, oh, is this guy undrafted? Can we? Would this be a cool draft? Because mm. I'm like, ooh, Sam Steele. But no, Sam Steele's draft by the I Anaheim feel, Ducks. It's funny that you mentioned him specifically mm-hmm. because I guess it's just the name. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've known about Sam Steele for seven years, years. <laughs> like, give or take seven over under 6.5. And <laughs> I am just baffled that he's still like a child. Like I figure I thought he was like an old busted prospect <laughs> at this point. I think he got that pick was traded from the Maple Leafs. In the Anderson trade for okay. their goalie, okay. and I was like, that could be a really good trade. Look yeah. at it, but anyways, it's cool. It's fun to watch uh, if you go online at all and watch other teams like look at Jordan Cairo or somebody and be like, man, that'd be really cool to get him for you know, you know anything. what? Go ahead. I wasn't gonna do it. Go ahead. I, I really wasn't. I like this, this was not in the plan reason. at all. But now that you mentioned this, I have to say it. <laughs> uh, there was a tweet that I it wasn't aimed at us specifically by any means. I think I saw Fabry's hair, uh, the account on Twitter, mm-hmm. the Blues fan account. Um, retweeted originally but it was from like some sabers watch or at sabers watch or something like that and it was a sabers fan tweet (laughs) and he said something to the effect of uh i'd be cool or like i wouldn't be bothered Mm -hmm. if the blues uh or if we traded evander kane to the blues for a pack package, excuse me, that started with Jordan Cairo and Clem Coston. And I about lost my lunch <laughs> from laughing and like disgust at the same time and tweeted out, this guy would be cool with them sending a three-month rental from their terrible garbage fire team to the Blues for a package that started with our two of our top three prospects. <laughs> I was, like, so baffled by, like, the sheer, mm-hmm. just, like... I don't know. I mean, it's the it's the non-comedic opposite of, oh, let's get him for Cracknell and a third or whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, I, it just, I don't want to linger on it too much. The tweet is out there on mm. our website or on our Twitter at Two Guys No Cup for mm. you all to see if you want to. But it was just, like, baffling <laughs> to me. I was like, I don't particularly want a Vander Kane. Period. But if we, got, if we gave up any of those two guys for him alone, that'd mm. be too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the kind of ridiculous stuff you'll read. People are always asking for, like, to get their garbage to you for one of your really nice yeah. picks. I will say... I mean, think about, like... Sorry, not to interrupt no, you, but, like, think about what we got for Kevin Shattenkirk, mm-hmm. who was the... I mean, I guess Kane is the premier rental this year, and Shattenkirk arguably was last year, so there's some similarity there. But, like... I would I would call our package for Shattenkirk like fifteen percent of Costin and Cairo, mm-hmm. like of the value of those players. It was just not. I mean, it was not even close. Yeah, I'm not giving you like you said two of our top three. Yeah, for a dude that I wouldn't do I that. Like want. I wouldn't do that for any player who wasn't like a very good player on some mm-hmm. term. Like those guys, those three, those three guys. I keep saying three because, like Robert Thomas being mm-hmm. the third, I value them so much more highly at this point than even any of our other prospects. Yeah. You know that, like, I put them in an almost untouchable category. Like, you'd have to get me, like, I can't even think, like Tyler Sagan. I don't know mm-hmm. some like bonkers deal for me to move. Certainly more than one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had to move one to get a guy on a few years' term or whatever that was, like, guaranteed top six, then fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
I don't know. Sorry. No, I think it's good you bring that <laughs> you up. You brought it up. It's your fault. I wasn't going to do it. I, I think it's a good point you brought up, though, about, you know, you don't want to move those guys at this point because I think mm-hmm. that's something we can talk about in just a little bit here. But I'm glad you also brought up Robert Thomas because I believe you were the one that said you saw, uh, man, who was it? on the panel say that essentially Robert oh, Bob Tom, McKenzie, Bob McKenzie yeah. saying that without hesitation, if there was one player you thought was ready to make that NHL jump, if that's what it was, it was Robert Thomas. Uh, I think the question was more like among the players who aren't necessarily oh, right. already right. household names, mm-hmm. which was funny to me to begin with because in America, none of these people yeah. are household <laughs> names. I know it was a TSM broadcast, so they're like, I mean, you guys obviously all know about Everyone Rasmus across Dahlin Canada. and Sam yeah. Steele or whoever, but it's like, no. But yeah, the question was basically, uh, of those guys who aren't already established as like mm-hmm. premier, premier prospects, who do you think could make the jump into that category at this tournament? And Bob McKenzie immediately answered uh, Robert Thomas. He looks good, and he looks like the complete package as far as yeah. like when you're a prospect a lot of them at the time you're going to look really good in the, your offensive zone mm-hmm. and going to need to make up a little bit for everything else. That's yeah. kind of what you got to grow into. But he's, from what I've heard, because I haven't watched too much, he's pretty good in all three zones and is super responsible already as a player. And if that's what you're getting from the mm-hmm. get-go, that's pretty darn good. My excitement level for that man from the moment when he was drafted and some of the analysts were like, oh boy, like I didn't see <laughs> this coming, you yeah. know? to now in you know six months time or whatever oh it's just like uh it's like ken hitchcock talking about the roman Polak door just oh don't don't open it and the patrice bergeron comps oh ah he's like my favorite non-blue player one of them just in terms of skill level i could go on and on Mm. get hype that's what i'm saying get get hype about robert buy low buy low on robert thomas and the one other thing to say well two other things to say about the uh, world juniors if you're if i didn't want to no. steamroll you but uh, i do think the one point we kind of made this before uh, when we talked about this a little last week but just really good to see clem coston playing a good game i know fans uh, who got too hyped on him to begin with have been kind of disappointed with his production in the ahl uh, but i think it's it, he's come back to the international ice hmm. and He's played really well. And the thing about the international ice is very few players can't make that transition. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're really good internationally, you'll eventually be really good in the NHL. It just takes some time. And Costin specifically is hardly a petite finesse guy you know so definitely a power forward yeah so he's not the not the type that would struggle you know necessarily even if one were likely to struggle so i did want to mention that and then the other cool angle about the world juniors this year is that it's kind of an interesting preview of the olympic uh the winter olympics that are coming up in february Mm -hmm. because since the nhl isn't sending their players this year it will be a lot of the same cast of characters who are going to at all uh, wherever the Olympics are this year, I keep wanting to say Sochi because in my head that's like the Winter Olympic place. It's but not it's Pyongyang because that's the capital of North Korea. Uh, it's a different one yeah. in South Korea. Seoul? Is that no, it? it's not Seoul. Anyway, it's in a place. <laughs> um, it's in South Korea, period. Is Pyongyang in North Korea? I think so. Here we're going to look this up. This is live, and folks. It's gonna Doing be, it live. <laughs> it's going to be Pyongyang. I can guarantee it. Oh, God. Please, no. Uh, P- Pyongyang, South Korea. Boom, yeah, baby. Different. 
Pyong, Pyeongchang. That's yeah. different than Pyongyang. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Which uh, is a real city. You're right. No, you're right. People can look that up on their own time. Yes. 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 So, uh, moving on now uh, to our long-awaited discussion of the Blues. Oh, boy. Uh, the Blues, the big news of the week, which we have obviously covered well over an hour into this podcast. We're, we're really good at burying the news. Burying the lead, baby. We we messed with the format, and it's working, because you, you've stayed on this long. Um, <laughs> the Blues extended uh, general manager Doug Armstrong uh, for a four-year contract with a fifth-year club option. Um, this was announced yesterday morning. Uh, I actually uh, looked down at my phone early in the morning, not long after I wake woken up and, uh, saw like some news about like big news coming from the blues and they started this live broadcast and, uh, there it was. And I was excited that they were about to announce our trade for Connor McDavid, but it was this news instead, <laughs> which I guess is fine. <laughs> um, so Armstrong has been extended. We all knew this was coming. It was his walk year, so to speak. I don't think anybody was seriously concerned that he'd get away. Uh, but, you know, the, the closer it got to the end of the year, the more that became an option. Um I thought we'd talk a little bit about his track record uh, as a general manager and then talk about our thoughts on this deal. I know we've talked some about his track record in the past, uh, but I just thought we'd talk about it a little bit more. Um, the one area where I think he's just excelled, he and his team, obviously, mm-hmm. he's never a one-man army in any of this, but he and his scouting department that he oversees and approves have just really uh, excelled tremendously is uh, in the draft. So mm-hmm. when you look at his tenure, he's drafted all of the following names, or his team has drafted all of the following names. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, Colton Pareko, uh, Joel Edmondson, and Vince Dunn. Those are the people, not all of the people, I don't think, but the big names currently making a big impact mm-hmm. on the Blues. And then you've got, well, Tage Thompson's beginning to go into that category. Mm. But then you've got uh, players at the top of our prospect list right now that include Jake Wallman, Jordan Schmaltz, uh, Ravi Fabry obviously has made a big impact and we hope will one day again when he's healthy. Uh, Ivan Barbashev, uh, verdict's still out a little <laughs> bit, but he's, we'll see tomorrow. He, made, he played great last year and he's coming back tomorrow. Uh, Tage Thompson and then the the big three we just talked about, Robert Thomas, Clem Costin, and Jordan Cairo, um, who, you know, not to overhype them, but that's the kind of core that could change the direction of a franchise if they all mm-hmm. reach the potential that they're rumored to possibly do. And then Villa Huso, who's a really uh, incredible goalie prospect mm-hmm. that we have in the wings, uh, who's been up for, uh, periodically when Hutton's been having children or mildly <laughs> injured, uh, but hasn't played at all this year um and then so i think i i think it'd be hard to argue and say anything else than that he's just had an incredible draft track record Mm -hmm. i'd be hard you'd be hard pressed to find another organization that has had that many really great picks over the last seven years or whatever you know Mm -hmm. and very few have had success 
as late in the first round. I think that's one of the things that he's really excelled at. And we talked about how hard it is when we talked about the picks going to Philadelphia. But those picks between 15 and 30, you know, Tarasenko was 16. I think Schwartz was 20 or somewhere in there. 14. 14, okay. Yeah, he was early. But, like, anything after the top 10 and sometimes even in the top 10 are hardly guaranteed. We're always drafting there, and we're still getting really good players. So I think that's credit to him. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of trades, we talked a little bit about this last week, uh, but just to dig into it, uh, the Halak the trade was the first big move of his tenure. I think it's hard to argue that that was anything short of a, a really big success for the Blues. Mm. Since that trade happened, the Blues have had good to great goaltending the entire time. Uh, Halak really probably doesn't get enough credit from Blues fans for being the goal, first goalie that sort of turned things around for the Blues. And, yeah, he was flaky and goofy and all the things goalies sometimes <laughs> are, but I think he had a better tenure here than he mm-hmm. gets credit for. Um, he traded for Vladimir Sabotka, which was a nice little move. Um, he uh, obviously made the trade of David Runblad for Vladimir Tarasenko, who Runblad at the time was one of our top Pros- mm-hmm. top young players, top prospects, and ultimately became nothing really in the yeah. NHL. And uh, the you know the press is out on Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> He's pretty good. Uh, there was the Eric Johnson Shattenkirk trade, which I think uh, when you really look at it, is kind of a push. I think both teams really did well mm-hmm. in that trade, and neither one when when you know in the f- immediate aftermath, it looked like we'd really mm-hmm. fleeced them good. But I think the more you look at it. Eric Johnson is still their cornerstone defenseman. Mm-hmm. But well, it's not a yeah. bad trade. You can well, I say, and while Stewart wasn't necessarily the best player, didn't really quite pan out, he had some good he yeah. had a good season. Yeah, and he a played half, well two here. Yeah, for here. Sure. Uh I just I don't I don't like when I see people say, Well, this was a great accomplishment. It was a bad one, but it started off. Eric great, Johnson's but been yeah. really good for the I don't think he gets enough credit. I guess Agreed. that's the main point I'm trying to make. He's on my fantasy team, he's gotta do better. He does. Everybody on your fantasy team has to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Basically begged for it. (laughs) (laughs) There was the Jay Bomeister trade, which I, you know, considering what we gave up and how important his role has been, you can argue about his production and the quality of his play lately, but I think the trade was good. The Ryan Miller trade, it's always one of the bleak spots on his career Mm. but i think the trade isn't that bad mostly because none of the assets have become much of anything Mm. william carrier as we talked about last week is now with the knights and good to hell with him and his (laughs) french canadian pronunciation uh the david perron trade that brought back uh magpie and ivan barbashev was really good Oshi for Brower is probably the one big blemish. And then, mm. of course, this past season we had uh, Laterra and picks for Shin and the uh, Reeves for Quim Costin, basically, and Sunquist mm. trades, which look to both have been great moves. Obviously, that's not every single trade he made in his mm. time, but it's a pretty good sampling of the big name ones. One I would want to point out that's not, I don't think. It may not be big. That's a smaller one that people might forget. But at the draft, trading Brian Elliott for the pick that turned oh, into yeah. Jordan Cairo. Oh, that's a really good one, and we forgot. And he's done that pretty well as trade for mm-hmm. lower-level picks. Barbashev was a second round as well. Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's done a great job of keeping this team competitive. And like you said, especially for a team 
that's competitive because when they are that, you don't get those top of the line picks. Yeah. And so to be able to get these and stay there, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a matter more of, of trades possibly down the line. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think the big, I mean, we talked about last week, so I don't want to linger here. The big possible weakness is mm-hmm. his use of free agency. I just don't think it's how he likes to play the game. And I think part of that is you know you're going to overpay for people every single time on the free agent market. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Stastny signing was something the fans demanded. And, what you know, as free agent busts go, it's not nearly as terrible as it mm. could be. We're paying $7 million for a guy that maybe deserves five to five and a half. It's mm-hmm. not like we're paying seven, year, seven years, you know. It's not the Zach Parisi contract. Yeah, there you go. For example, fine, I said it, I said it. You know? <laughs> um, he did make the really good and really tough heart decision of not re-signing Brower and Backus, which is increasingly looking mm. better and better. Um like I said, imagine this team with Brower, Backus, and then say the Shen trade never happens. This mm-hmm. team is in the gutter with Schwartz and Fabry healthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then just some of the, some of the other good free agent signings he's made were either PTOs or like really low level things mm-hmm. with Elliot and uh, Scotty Upshaw and uh, Kyle Brodziak. So he doesn't have like any free agent signings really that are like hallmark. Mm-hmm. Um, that Elliott one's pretty a diamond in the rough. But yeah, I mean that was a, a great as you listeners probably all know. Basically brought in to give Ben Bishop a little competition in practice and is mm-hmm. now like the third or second winning a school in Boys <laughs> history. So pretty good, I guess. You know, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's you know both of the, as I said with the lock trade, pretty much ever since uh, the, all of. Uh, all of Armstrong's tenure, we've had good to really good uh, goalie play, um, including that, not the Vesna Trophy year, but the other. Oh, Jack. Big, no, not Jack Adams is the no, coach. There's that goalie trophy for the both goalies, mm. and I forget what it's called at the moment. Um, the one big blemish, I would say, that's undisputed is the Laterra contract, uh, the foolishness the of greatest. resigning it. At that price, at that term, with that little proof of what he was worth, but he's undone that blemish to a large extent. Um, you can question maybe the um, the Gunnarsson. I, I hear a lot about Gunnarsson's contract. We've talked before about how it's so low stakes that it's hard to criticize. You can talk about extensions for Bomeister and Steen, and maybe Saboka. It's a little too early to tell on some of those guys, but. Mm-hmm. That's maybe his one weakness is extending some guys later in life that later in life, like these 33 year old guys are really closing in on the pearly gates um, later in their careers that maybe shouldn't be. But then you see his incredible extensions for guys like uh, obviously Tarasenko, the big one, Petrangelo, really great extension, and Jake Allen, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, Pareko. Um, some of those younger guys, Schwartz, pretty good contract extension. So he's really he. I think he's if what he maybe lacks in negotiating down established older players, he makes up for in keeping younger players at a better price. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I, I 
I rambled for longer than I wanted to, which would be a good title for this podcast. <laughs> uh, did you have anything to add on that before we just kind of evaluate the deal to bring him back? Uh, no, really. I've been happy with what he's brought here. I think he definitely had some picture in mind, and I think you can kind of lump him in with Hitchcock, even though Hitchcock is gone, with really setting this team mm-hmm. on the right track. I mean, prior to him kind of taking over for Larry Plough and 2010, even though they were both kind of on, he sort of took the reins a little bit more. We were definitely a team without any sort of direction. Mm-hmm. And I think the Halak trade definitely solidified our back end moving forward, and we were able to kind of start from solid ground. Yeah, I don't. We didn't make the playoffs in 2010 or 2011, but I do remember thinking, even as a fan, we were moving in the right direction. I'm glad he's here because I think this is a big arc, I guess, to use sort of like a TV term of what we want to see happen with them. And I think maybe moving into us talking about this uh, contract deal, if I could mention it now, it's that I think that... No, you can't. Stop. (laughs) With these four years, I think we want to see... I mean, of course we want to see a cup win, but I think we want to see more progress. We've gotten to this place before with other teams, historically with the Blues, making the playoffs, you know, how many years in a row getting to the first, second round. Granted, a couple years ago we made it to the third. I think we, I would say we at least need to see us get to the third round again in this mm-hmm. tenure for sure. I think anything less than that and you don't take that fifth option and you just see what's out there as a GM. I don't know if you look inside your organization for some young guy moving up the ranks or somebody Marty else. Brodeur. Marty Brodeur. He's bringing us the cup. I'm so iffy on this Marty Brodeur thing. I see fans all the time <laughs> so, be like, so he's going to be our GM, I think. That will be a really good idea. I'm like, maybe he's good at it. I have no idea. But my gut just tells me, because he's been a goalie always and mm-hmm. not a GM, that it's no. Yeah. <laughs> and for it, a team that needs... It worked need, for Steve Eiserman. Yeah, I guess. But it didn't work for Joe Sack. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, no way. Uh, it's to, impossible to tell, really, just on the career yeah, of the player. Yeah, so, so it's fine if they I get did it. It's fine if they did, but the fact that people look at his name and go, let's do it, I go, for this team? It would be so weird. That's the real thing, is it would be so strange if, like, he was, he's the legend in Devil's history, Mm -hmm. and then he, like, his whole post-career is for the Blues. (laughs) What's going on? Uh, But anyway, not to linger on that. I agree with you. I think there's no question this is the right move in the moment. Uh, you can't let this guy go. You're not in a position right now. You're still, you know, we we aren't labeling it this, thank God. But I do think it's something of a transition year because mm-hmm. there really was the Bacchus era. I mean, when you look at him being like the fourth or whatever most, mm-hmm. we just said it earlier, all-time games played for this team, and he was our captain for so long. The group that he had, like that's losing him and losing that group of Oshie and Perron and mm-hmm. – Whoever else. I mean, we have still Bergwin and Steen and some mm. of those guys, but like, you can't just move on from that in a year necessarily. We've retooled, but next year we're going to see, you know, we're going to really plug in Thompson in a full time role, you mm. assume. Dunn will be established. It'll be time for maybe Thomas and Cairo or mm. and Costin or some of those guys. I mean, every year is a transition in some sense, but mm. I do think we're it's not unfair turnover. to say that, like, from next year going forward is really like almost part two of the you know act two maybe mm-hmm. of the of the um, Armstrong yeah I'd agree with that tenure uh, so but having said all that uh, you can't risk 
you can't just see what's out there at this point. He's been too good for too long. He won a GM of the year a few years ago, rightfully so at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just he's very good. But, and I think, as you said, the I think, and we'll talk about this more, but I just think this team, we ran this poll, mm-hmm. and uh, we wrote uh, three options, and they were about the signing, yay, meh, mm-hmm. or trade for a six top six forward, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and yay and trade for top six forward got like 85 or 90% of the mm-hmm. vote. And I think that's right. Like, I think it's great, but there's more to be done. Exactly. And I don't think this team can rest until it gets a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's this weird sense, and you never want to be this team, but, like, the Blues more than other teams, if they get that one Stanley Cup, freaking, I don't care. Like, making the uh, making the GM until he's 85 and yeah. dead, I don't care. Like, get like, us the one. <laughs> and I know as soon as if we ever win it, yeah. I will not have that attitude at all. But, mm-hmm. like, right now it's like, Just get that it. first one, and then we'll talk. I have and, to wonder. And we'll talk about that a little yeah. more. Sorry, go ahead. I was just I have to wonder if oh, you're saying we need to make that final jump. That always seems like, for us maybe, maybe not for every other team, but that it's one big risky move that works out mm-hmm. away from that. Yeah. I mean, you would hope to carefully build a team all the way to the cup, but I feel like the way we've built, unless Robert Thomas or Clem Costa in the next couple of years just light it up and mm-hmm. everything's connected, we need one more big change, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know what that is. I have zero idea, but I just that's feel like... trading Alex Petrangelo <laughs> for Sidney Crosby. <laughs> that's all we need. When Sidney Crosby is like 37, yeah. and we're like, he can do it here. <laughs> Come on, Sid. I agree. I do think we, do, we are not risk-taking, and I wonder if we need to be, and we're actually going to talk about that a little bit to close this out. But why don't you talk, uh, since we're at the end of the year... Uh, we're most of a year into Mike Yo's tenure here. Why don't you talk briefly about what the Mike Yo era has looked like so far for the Blues? Um, so Mike Yo started out or took over last year at February 1st in 2017. That's when Hitchcock got let go. Um, so, yeah, he's been pretty much here the whole year of 2017, like you said. Um, in that time, and from February 1st until now, Mike Yo with the Blues is 45, 22, and 4. So that's really good. In fact, so good that it's second in the whole NHL in that period of time, only behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they're, that's eighth in goals, 4. Mm-hmm. So 205 in that time. So that's pretty good. We've probably been slowly falling recently, but eighth is pretty good for that period. And then, amazingly, I didn't think we were. We were first in goals against, so the least amount allowed in that time with 156. So that's a plus 49 in his career here. But the Golden Knights have so many. <laughs> I was going to say, I did look this up, and the Golden Knights had 50 goals in that time, which took me a second, and then I realized that they weren't around last year. <laughs> 50 in a whole year would be very Yeah, impressive. I was like, wow, I had no idea that could happen <laughs> with your fifth string goalie playing. <laughs> But something I wanted to bring up, and I don't know how much of it is Mike Yo and how much of it's the team he plays for. I'm going to have to say it's got to be 80% the team that's playing for him mm. and 20% Mike Yo somehow, I guess, coaching the power play or something, Angrily perhaps. really sipping water. Yeah. But he does have this tendency, or his teams do, in December 
and sometimes January, kind of the middle of the season, to really take a hard slump. I noticed it a lot when I was in Minnesota and he was coaching the Wild. Um, he started coaching them in 2011, 2012, and that December they went 6-6-3. Six, six, and three. January when they went 3-6-1. and one. So really a tough slide. So it's going to get worse. <laughs> Maybe. I do have some of that. In 2012-2013, uh, they started the season in January because of the lockout. So that February, they went 6-5-1. and one. You know, okay. 2013-2014, uh, their December was 5-9-0. and oh, So not good again. But their January was 9-4-1. and one. So getting better. I like it. Now this, like is the one, it. this is the one that's the grossest and the best. So 2014-2015, his December was 4-5-3. and three. January was 5-6-2. and two. But then his February was 11-2-1, and one, and their March was 11-3-0. and oh. Like I said, I don't think it's all him necessarily. I mean, you could even see putting Dubnik in was enough to help them. They were getting no saves mm-hmm. at all from anyone they iced that season. So I would say that maybe some of this doesn't really have anything to do with how the Blues are playing currently. But I... I've liked Mike Yo thus far, yeah. personally. I think he's more of a player's coach. You can definitely see him and his staff going up to players after goals and tapping on the shoulder, you know, getting in their face and talking to them about you know, what they want to see improved. Um, I don't think you ever, 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 ever saw Ken Hitchcock <laughs> do this, yeah. ever. I mean, the guy just had a constant frown on his face. Great coach, love him for that. Thanks for being here, Ken. But I do like seeing a coach that's a little bit younger and maybe – able to relate to players of today a little bit more. I agree. And I've read that he has great relationships with the players. He's really close to Tarasenko, so he's exactly what you want. Um, Kind of rolling out of that, I just want to kind of reflect on the last year quickly and talk about one more subject. Um, Since we've already gone on this train for so long, Mm -hmm. uh, we can talk about tilting on uh, Tarasenko next week. If it's still necessary, maybe which yeah. with him it might not be, he which is the reason out. why you shouldn't. Yeah, but you know, Cliff Notes version: <laughs> Don't tilt on Tarasenko, even though he's probably in the worst slump of his career. Um, but yeah, just reflecting on the past year, think back to one year ago, January first. The Blues were slumping and lifeless under Hitchcock. Uh, they knew who the next coach was at that point, which was still a weird decision. That was arguably one of the weird <laughs> yeah. decisions of uh, Armstrong's tenure, too. Uh, but we were still in neutral. Uh, we were 19, 13, and 5. So dramatically above 500 in hockey lingo, but one game above 500 in everyone else lingo. Um, since then, we, as you said, installed uh, Yo on the 1st of February. Uh, we have uh, the best record in hockey after the after the coaching change last year, mm-hmm. and now we're like second only to the Lightning. Yep. Uh, we beat the Wild in the first round very s- convincingly, I mm-hmm. guess, <laughs> in terms of games we won mm-hmm. and saves Allen made. But I'd, say, I'd say, if anything, that makes you feel better about Allen going to the playoffs yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, we had, I would say, a tremendously successful offseason. We got that Shen trade was amazing. Uh, we extended Colton Pareko on his RFA deal, and we drafted Robert Thomas and Clem Coston, as well as, I think, some other mm-hmm. uh, p- possibly pretty promising prospects. Uh, we had that Alexei Torpchenko, the other Russian, who looked possibly mm-hmm. pretty good, and some other guys even later who some people were high on. Um, 
I think we generally, I know December's been hard. Trust us. Yeah. We know we've, you know, we're blues fans just like you are, but when you have to tweet about every (laughs) game and cover every game, boy, are they hard sometimes. (laughs) So we get it. Uh, But I just think not to be cheesy at all, but I think there's a lot to be thankful for and happy about for the blues in entering 2018. Mm -hmm. The one question I have, though, to sort of sum up this whole discussion as we uh, draw towards a close of this giant Mm -hmm. uh, omnibus of a podcast is... Yes, I do think the Blues will win the Cup in 2018. Okay, so for answers, (laughs) question answered, and that's it. No, (laughs) Uh, I think my question is, do you think the Blues need an organizational attitude shift. And so my my reasoning is this. When we ran the poll about Doug Armstrong, mm-hmm. the one great response we got was from our friend Justin Horniker on Twitter, who just <laughs> simply said, get us a damn cup, mm-hmm. which is, was his <laughs> response to the Allen extension. And I thought about it, and I was like, Justin's got it right. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, like that isn't always our measuring stick for, yeah. the, for Blue's success. And I think maybe it's time that we make it that because mm-hmm. it's been 50 years and we ain't got one yet. So being good enough ain't been good enough, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to crap on everything we just said. We're in a really good position. But do you think maybe it's time for the Blues to start thinking like a team, you know, like a team that's going out there to win a cup? Mm-hmm. And that's that and that alone is good enough. No more of this. Well, we got better than last year. You know, no more of this, oh, we got to the third round this year. Not that I'm saying we will by any stretch, but like, Mm. or we won, you know, we took the second round to seven games, so it's a big improvement or something. Yeah. One question I would ask just to kind of emphasize that is, if Ken Hitchcock is likable Mm -hmm. and younger, Mm -hmm. do you think we've replaced him by this point? Like, and I realize those are two of the big parts of mm-hmm. maybe why he didn't succeed. But let's say everything else was the same mm-hmm. in terms of his record. And it's hard to know, obviously, how the rest of last year ends. But do you think we bring in the coach in waiting before last season? And do you think we replace him by now if he's a likable person and younger? Because that's I, the reason I asked that question is it kind of speaks about the mindset of, mm-hmm. Is treading water and doing okay in the playoffs mm. really good enough for the team, you know? Or, yeah. And it's well, a hard question to answer that because well, it's so hypothetical. We'll get but. to that. We'll get to that one first then. So I think that the, that might be true. That might be the case that he might still be here. But I think Armstrong, if anything, wanted him to stay here even in his old curmudgeon mm-hmm. way. If there was anything... They I don't, were obviously very yeah, friendly. I don't mind that relationship. I don't mind um, men openly crying. That's totally fine with me. <laughs> Honestly, it is. Uh-huh. But there was something weird to me when they fired Ken Hitchcock and Doug Armstrong was like so torn up about it. I was like, I get it. It's not Ken Hitchcock's completely his fault. This team's playing crap. That, you know, it's got to be on the players. The onus is on them. But the fact that it was this heart-wrenching thing to do mm-hmm. makes me feel like he was going to hold on to that guy and keep giving those one-year options, you know, every year, so long as Ken wanted to come back, which is what I felt like. And I think if he was younger and more likable, um, he would have still done the same thing just because of, I mean, you know, how close they are. Or, like, I, 
I never really I like that relationship from a friendship standpoint. Like that's very cute and nice. Mm-hmm. But I never liked it from like a professional standpoint. They weren't like overly close, but the fact that the GM was kind of like kneeling to the coach, like whatever you yeah. need, coach. And I was like, no, 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 I don't think so, man. You can be nice and understanding. I want you to both be on the same page. But it was really almost like this weird, like this is we're gonna get what Ken Hitchcock wants and needs. Yeah. And so I'm kind of glad to see him gone because I honestly don't think with him here. Actually, I think that's a bigger point. I think if he was still here, we're not making an organizational shift, period. Even though he's the guy that won the Cup in 1999 with a Dallas Stars. For a different team, just to clarify. A a stacked Dallas Stars team. Um, I don't think, I think as long as we kept giving that guy one year options, nothing was happening on this team as far as getting the Cup. Even though he got us to the third round, I just don't think it was going to happen. Yeah. And I think Mike Yo is one step closer to a little bit of a change. It was a change that was going to happen either way. But I would agree. I'm always kind of flip-flopping between, hey, I enjoy these games. These are fun games to watch. Mm-hmm. I just like seeing the Blues win. You know, they have 29 teams, now 30 teams every year don't win the Cup. I'm just happy to, you know, watch some wins. Mm. But maybe it's slightly growing older. Maybe it was that 27th birthday that kicked me into gear. But, man, I'm so sick of this team just saying, well, like you said, good enough. We're working it out. I'll give him a couple years already mm-hmm. because I really do think Robert Thomas, what he's touted as, and some of these guys, I think they he's need to a be. God, he's we're a God. You. This guy has the neck, Sidney Crosby. Move over, McDavid. <laughs> um, but I think he could really help this team. Him, Kairou, Costin, all those guys, I think they might need a year, you know, a year or two in mm-hmm. the NHL. But I think, like what we talked about maybe in the previous podcast, so Schwartz and Tarasenko aren't old, but they're in their prime now. And if you wait a couple more years, especially for some of their contracts are to be in the latter stages, mm-hmm. you really you got to win now with those guys because yeah. they're going to cost that much more or they're going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a win now mentality for me from here until, I don't know, three or four years from now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's the big move. And I think it's important to see Stillman's attitude. I mean, he's still kind of new. I mean, obviously, he's not alone but he's the face of the ownership group he's a ceo uh or whatever his official Mm -hmm. title is um one thing that'll be interesting is to see if as the cap continues to increase if we'll have an internal cap Mm -hmm. because he's always spent to the cap so far but if the cap's supposed to make as much as a seven million dollar increase which it's not guaranteed to go that high but it's been rumored to be as much as that Mm -hmm. um It'll be interesting to see if he's willing to still spend to the cat. That doesn't mean he has to year one, but, you know, Mm -hmm. is he willing to make the extensions and stuff? That's a big question I have for him. And then just the unpalatable personnel shifts, Hitchcock, getting rid of Hitchcock Mm -hmm. was gross on a personal level. I know Armstrong liked him, but it had to happen and Mm -hmm. it should have happened sooner, like you said. And then I think that one. Like you said, that one big flashy move that's eluded us, kind mm-hmm. of a la us signing Paul Correa back in the day, which we talked about, you know, a few weeks or months ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. it's, time's all a big ball, I don't know anymore. <laughs> but no, that big move to kind of put us on the map at the time, that was different. That was more of a, hey, we're a really crappy team. We need to be like, need some butts we need and a headline, seats. you know, yeah. but like just that sort of mindset of like, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it. It's and annoying to see. I'm sorry. It's annoying no, to see ahead. us not do that, and then say a Nashville 
go out and get Kyle Turris for what they gave up to get him. Uh-huh. I feel like it, the more I look at how good he is on that team, like, yeah. man, I don't know. I think we could have done that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's talk of Mike Hoffman, possibly very similar player from the very similar team. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and we'll see. And we've got so much more to talk about. And we've already talked about so much, so very <laughs> much today. But and, and I have a lot of faith in Stillman because I think he's a fan first. And so I... God, I mean, if you're a 50 year old fan of this team, God, I, just, I don't I just, know how you're alive. I don't even understand <laughs> it. I was thinking about this driving around for work today in a frigid, frigid, frigid ass van, <laughs> and just like being a Cardinals fan and a Blues fan. I, I, if you told me today that the Cardinals were never going to win another World Series, I think I could like enjoyably watch a lot of Cardinals baseball the rest of my life because I've seen like. 2011, like, even if they win other World Series, yeah. it's never going to be what that was to me. And I've seen it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I've seen it happen. So good enough, like, if they're just enjoyable to have on in the background, I can watch a lot of mm-hmm. Cardinals game. But I was really thinking about it, and, I mean, I love the Blues. I'm not calling that into question. But <laughs> if you told me tomorrow that the Blues would not win a cup in my lifetime, I don't think I could do it. I think I'd just tune out. Uh, I think I'd just stop. I know exactly what you I mean. Really, like, yeah. I love this team, guys. I'm not saying, like, I'm stopping the podcast anytime soon, because thankfully, I can't see into the future. And similarly, it would be ruined for me if they're like, oh, yeah, they win the cup in 2023 with, you mm-hmm. know, Tarasenko scoring a game-winning goal over Devin Dubnik's broken back i don't know whatever you know but like i I guess he couldn't beat the wild in the final but in any case so like we can't see the future but i'm just saying like i know the sentiment you're 27 i'm 26 i'm really good at fantasy hockey you're not as good (laughs) sneak that right in there (laughs) we had to do it it was three acts of the podcast so Mm. it had to be in all three acts you're an english Um, major i'm a very good storyteller (laughs) uh no but um it's just it's got to happen at some point. And to all of you Blues fans who are looking at us and thinking we don't know anything about Blues suffering, you're right. You're, I do. You're probably, very, yeah. very right. I can't imagine and more of this. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that's our that's our big spiel as we head into 2018. We've got so much more to talk about. Thank mm-hmm. you for coming along on this ride with us so far. Uh, tweet of the week very quickly. I think Dominic at Dominic DS. 34 made a really good point after the contract uh, for Army where he said, Blues fans hate Armstrong because of deals they all begged him to make at the time, i.e. Stastny. I think he's very on point, as we kind of said before. Everybody was begging for Stastny. Mm-hmm. It had to ha- He was the hometown free- premier free agent. Like, it had to happen. Um, Bo Meester, I felt like we knew Joe Bo Meester was going to be a blue for like three and a half years before. Yeah, it they talked about for a full solid um, year for sure. And uh, the other big one that gets a lot of crap is Ryan Miller, who everyone wanted us to get. Mm-hmm. So, like, if those are the big three things, those were all things that the fans were on board with at the time. Um, so I think that's a really good point. And then just a shout out to uh, Jake Michael Webb at Jake Webb. 
I'm not reading that right, as in Quebec, yes, 72. I don't know if he's from Quebec. It said he was from Pella, which is very far from Quebec. But anyway, Jake, uh, he tweeted, all I want for Christmas is for at two guys no cup to go by weekly, which warmed my heart on Christmas Day. He's very kind. And we rewarded him by giving him two weeks worth of episodes in one night. Uh, So, Jake, if you've made it this far, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for your kind words. And while I don't know about bi-weekly quite yet, uh, we do have some ideas for bonus episodes Mm -hmm. in the cooker, which will be uh, around before long, certainly one at least at around the trade deadline, possibly Mm -hmm. two around then. So uh, keep your eyes open for those, and we'll get you more details when they're more certain. For now, we have uh, recorded... 2,900 measures, almost twenty, almost a solid 3,000 measures. we got to keep going for 3,000. <laughs> Should we just stall? It's only going to take a few seconds. We're at 2,988 now. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. This is the Two Guys No Cup <laughs> podcast. Uh, you can follow us at Two Guys No Cup. Please subscribe on iTunes. We assume you probably already have because you're <laughs> listening, or Google Play. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to have questions to talk about because we obviously need more to discuss because now we're only just now hitting 3,000 <laughs> measures. So we need your questions, people. Uh, but we love interacting with you all. It's been great for us. It's been the highlight of my year. So mm-hmm. thank you all, and good night. <laughs> And Happy New Year. Yes, also that.